<laughs> oh, well, here, here it is. <laughs> well, goodbye. Bye. That's it. Today's in today's mini minisode. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, fuck. There are so <sighs> many of them. They're just all these little fucklets are everywhere. I know. I know. Just fucklets in the air. I've, uh, I think I told you I've stopped asking people how they are, and instead of saying, how are you, I just say, do you have spiders behind your eyeballs yet? Because that's how. <laughs> and today on SpiderCast. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lillian Bustle. I am Jen Ponton. And welcome to the best we can entertain ourselves during the during. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Which is what we're calling this era. That's the right. During. This is the during, friends. It's weird. <laughs> it's something. It is many things. It's many things. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're just going to look back on this and laugh. Wait, we don't We're have to look back on it. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, in another episode of We Hope You're... We, we hope you think we're as entertaining as we are. Indeed. Uh, we thought that we might do some more scary stories because we can we get another one. We thought that might be a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys really seem to like them. We like them. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we've taken you down some weird little rabbit holes of late. So yes. maybe, maybe you need a breather. Yeah. Just a nice, a nice ghostly palate cleanser. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That is a good cal- uh, palate cleanser. Yeah, smell, smell some coffee beans. These are your coffee smell. beans to smell. <laughs> stick that nose wherever you need to stick it. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I can start. I have a short one. Do you want me to start with a short one? Yeah, I mostly have short ones. Oh, right on. Um, well, why don't you do a short one and then I'll do a longer one? Ooh, okay. All right, you ready? <laughs> I'm like, I feel like curation and rhythm is very important. So. I love yeah. it. You're in charge. I'm ready. You're in I'm charge, ready. producer lady. Ooh, look out. <laughs> Truly look out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is from a user called McStabby Pants. <laughs> Mc, McStabby Pants? That's it. That's wonderful. We live in a hundred year old brownstone. When we moved in, my second child was just starting to talk, and he would often talk to the wall, it seemed. And he no. would laugh and laugh. Yes. Once he started talking better, I asked him who he was talking to, and he answered, the man. Yeah. When I pressed him, he said, the man who lives here. It's just my husband and myself and our kids. There's nobody else here. He did this for a while, talking to the man periodically. He would go downstairs to our basement and come up, saying that he had talked to the man. Then, one day, he went down to the basement and came up a minute later, crying and looking very frightened and upset. When I asked him what happened, he said something garbled about the man and that he didn't want to go back to the basement anymore. He never spoke to the man again. I don't know who lived here when the house was first built, but I had heard from some neighbors that a doctor lived here decades ago and had an office in the basement. In the basement hallway, right next to the basement door, is a panel cut out of the floor. One day, I picked up the panel, and underneath, I found an old hatchet. Clearly uh, over 50 years old. Nope. I have no idea if any of this is connected to my son's actions, but it is very, very creepy to have found a hatchet in a secret hidey hole in my basement. Hey. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I gotta say, if I, if I had found that, I would have ripped my entire floor up trying to find more hatchets. Or oh etc. Absolutely. Well, I you mean, were very unattended. You... <laughs> there's never. I'm just saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's uh, more shit under that floor. Go find it. That's it. <laughs> oh my god. Ah. 
Ah, okay. Um, I only skimmed this one, but it looked uh, looked pretty well written. Um, this is from somebody named Susie Q from the 2018 thread. So this happened to me quite some time ago, almost 20 years. Wow, I feel old, but I still remember details to this day. I was a pretty healthy rural kid growing up in a small town whose biggest industries were trucking and farming with connections to both. I played outside a lot and developed a pretty strong immune system. This will be important later. <laughs> I was a klutz. So I had lots of bruises and scrapes, but not much in the way of being sick. Cool. It us. It us. <laughs> Fell down all the time. So good. I ha- I'm. I got to tell you, it's amazing. I haven't any, any like knee skin left. Like I, I fucked up my knees so much as a child. I can't. I don't even know. Like it should just be an entire patella of scar tissue. Anyway, um, <clears throat> not much in the way of being sick. This changed in grade nine. I was so very excited for our World War One unit because our teacher basically let us play Risk for three days as an introduction to conflict, <laughs> and to show her show how sometimes sheer numbers. Hey, Russia. <laughs> could overpower superior arms cough, Germany cough <laughs> and how and how naval power England can be a supply lifeline Canada and so also <laughs> and also that the United States were dicks <laughs> I like this I, history lesson I'm here yeah it's all I'm, up I like it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I'm kidding I'm I'm Canadian, so a lot of our history has some sort of moral like that. That's actually, that's actually very true. Um, the couple of, like, historical places that I've been to in Canada, they are, they, you know, they, Canada had conflict with the United States, and they weren't always, like, working together like buddies. And it's funny to hear, it's funny to hear the northern side of things. Um, the other, the other <laughs> northern aggression. Um, well, we were about to start it and only had uh, risk only had cursory knowledge of the conflict, started in 1914. It helped make Canada a country. I didn't know that. There was a lot of mud. Um, I believe <laughs> I believe it was the night before, perhaps a few nights, uh, the day we would start the game, that I had a dream that will forever stay with me. In the dream, I'm stuck in this hole, but it isn't a regular hole. It's a long hole with mud up to my ankles and standing water in some places much deeper. It's raining, a cold, dismal fall rain, and it's cold. The kind of damp cold that gets in your bones, as my mom would say. All around me, things were a dim brown. The light comes in strobing flashes of white and orange. Explosions are chaos all around me. Then it hits me. It's this bitter, harsh smell. I feel like I've gone to the shed where the pool chemicals have been stored in the middle of a hot summer day and taken a big breath through my nose and my mouth. My throat is on fire, and I taste blood. My nose burns. Within seconds, I'm scratching, my skin burning, and I cannot breathe. I wake up, and my mom is just staring at me at the foot of my bed. I'm soaked in sweat but frozen. My throat is raw, and I have scratched myself in my sleep. She tells me that I had woken her and my dad with my screaming. Oh, fuck. And wanted to know why I was counting. She told me I had been repeating the number nine over and over. Oh, no! Despite her protests, I go to school the next day because, as previously mentioned, I was super excited to learn about World War I. <laughs> I learn about the trenches and the battles and the allies and the axis. I learned about the cold mud, the mud, the standing water, and corpse rats. I learned about the Battle of Ypres and gas and how it would sometimes backfire on those who were using it if the winds changed. Throughout high school, and to this day, I now suffer from regular tonsillitis. They'll become inflamed even if I'm the slightest bit sick, have a cold, dehydrated, and I'll sound like Kermit the Frog with a four-pack-a-day smoking habit. Generally, these effects last two to three days longer than my cold. In grade 10, I began trying to learn German, supplementing my love of modern European history with French and German film. I wasn't saying 999. I was saying 999, like no in German. Shit! Conclusion. No, 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 no! Conclusion, I dreamt the death of a German World War I soldier from a poison gas attack that went wrong with startling details and permanent side effects without prior oh knowledge of the God. associated with the war. Holy fuck! Right? Oh, that's spectacular! Oh, I got goosebumps. That was a good one. Ooh, that was a good one! <laughs> Thanks. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
There was not a speck or a splinter of glass anywhere on the floor around it. The other side of the glass had three long scratches in it. I didn't want to touch it, and I didn't want my fiancé to touch it either, so I picked it up with a plastic bag around my hand, like a pile of dog crap, and took (laughs) it to the outdoor trash cans. A couple of days later, a branch from a large tree over the carport, where the trash cans were, fell onto the carport and almost nailed one of the building residents. If we burned candles in our bedroom, for some reason, they would burn so high and hot that it made the room unbearable to be in, even if there was no heat on and it was cool outside. Mm. This is a very large bedroom with a 14-foot ceiling. I've been prone to issues with depression and anxiety since my childhood years, and even though I loved that beautiful building, living in it was not good for me. Yeah. Even when we, right? Oh, imagine. Even when we weren't stressed about weird stuff happening there, we fought a lot more when living there, we got sick a lot more, and had just plain bad luck. My fiancé had to go back on medication for depression for the first time since before we moved in. We learned at some point that the house had once functioned as a halfway house for psychiatric patients transitioning out of a huge sanitarium that had been open nearby from 1910 to 2001. That sanitarium was Chestnut Lodge. About three months before we moved into that house, the abandoned Chestnut Lodge building burned down and collapsed. A developer ended up buying the land and building very expensive housing on it, calling the development Chestnut Lodge after the facility. Apparently, right? I mean, that's rife with haunting. Apparently, the sanitarium was an inspiration for the novel I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. All right, that makes a little bit more sense. I don't know what it is, but I know (laughs) that song, and it doesn't really, that does not track. Is that Patsy (laughs) Klein? Right, exactly. We didn't find out until we were moving out a couple years later that the scary upstairs neighbor originally moved in as one of the last halfway house patients. My mother-in-law sold the house a while back, but it took over a year on the market to finally get bought. Nope. Nope. Uh, Why? I mean, Crazy ghosts. It's your place. I get it. I get it. Did Did I tell you... Did I tell you about when we moved into this place? No. I don't remember if I told you this or not. Um, You know who'd be able to tell us? The people who listen to this. Because I'll tell this story again and they're the ones who are going to (laughs) know. Although I will say I do listen to most of our episodes. Because I like to hear the sound. You do and then you live text me. It's my favorite. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So um, (laughs) when we were moving into the place that we live in now... Um, we weirdly enough had hired exactly the same moving company that we had the last time we moved four years prior to that. And it was the same guys. It was the same like Jersey, Jersey, Jersey guys. Uh, and I remember because this one guy was carrying something up the stairs and he was like, Oh, 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 stay in school kids, which was exactly the same joke that he had made like four years earlier. And I was like, oh, yeah, I thought you looked familiar. So um, awesome. so I get – I'm bringing stuff up and Don is um, Don is in the, uh, the living room and the guy's in the kitchen, uh, one of the movers. And he goes to Don. He goes, so did you tell her? Did you tell her? And Don goes, uh, no. <laughs> and I said, tell me what? Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like, I don't want to worry a kid, but I think that uh, – I'm pretty sure, I mean, my buddies and I am all talking about this. Uh, we're pretty sure this is the place. This is the place where this crazy murder happened. And I was like, no, 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 And then I was like, ah, and literally, you know how when somebody just, just spews something out and you're like, I would like to go back to a minute before and not know any of this. Oh, absolutely. So he said that apparently like there used to be, cause we have a storefront downstairs. It's a three story building and there's a retail on the bottom. And he was like, it used to be a grocery store. And then the guy's whole family lived upstairs and he came home one night and shot his wife and four kids and then killed himself. And I was like, holy shit. And then 20 minutes later, now this was just a coincidence, but there was like um, under cabinet lighting. 
Uh, it's that old, um, I don't know, those little tiny light bulbs that get real hot. <laughs> That nobody mm-hmm. uses anymore. Halogen, sure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I had Halogen like lights are super dangerous. I had, yes. So I had a throw pillow for the couch that had somehow wound it up. Somebody had like tucked it in between a box and one of those lights, and then someone turned the fucking lights on. I say someone because it wasn't me, but uh, <laughs> I turned around like moments after this guy told this story, and there was like smoke. <laughs> coming out of this pillow and if we hadn't all been there when that had happened we would have caused an actual fire that was very scary so what I did then what I did then is I actually I called two of my friends and I said here's the thing I didn't tell them that I called two people I said I need you to google this and if it is my house I need you to tell me something else (laughs) oh I don't like that uh, and if it is not, I need you to tell me what it was. So both people confirmed separately. See what I did there? See what I did there? Um, <laughs> separately, that, the, that that had happened two doors down from us. So it did happen in like the 70s, in the late 70s. And um, they built that, they tore that whole building down. It's a brand new, ugly, one of those weird pink brick buildings now. Shit. No. Side. So anyway, we don't have any bad vibes here because we're just a fucking squirrel. That's all. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hand the torch back to Jen since I just told a little story and she's got a uh, a whopper that she's excited to share. I got a whopper. I think you guys are gonna friggin' love it. I it didn't even occur to me to talk about this before, but especially as most of you are New Jersey based, I'm gonna tell a batshit scary Jersey story. And I'm going to read directly from a very good article on The Cut by Reeves Weidman. One night in June 2014, Derek Broadus had just finished an evening of painting at his new home in Westfield, New Jersey, when he went outside to check the mail. Derek and his wife, Maria, had closed on the six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard three days earlier, and they were doing some renovations before they moved in, so there wasn't much in the mail except for a few bills and a white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner, and the typed note inside began warmly. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. For the Broadduses, buying 657 Boulevard had fulfilled a dream. Maria was raised in Westfield, and the house was a few blocks from her childhood home. Derek grew up working class in Maine, then moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president with a salary large enough to afford the $1.3 million house. The Broadduses had bought 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday. (gasps) Babies. And their three kids were already debating which of the house's fireplaces Santa Claus would use. Oh! But as Derek... That's so endearing. Isn't that fucking cute? (laughs) That is endearing. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. It's a good game. But as Derek kept reading the letter from his new neighbor, it took a turn. How did you end up here? The writer asked, did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? The letter went on. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. I know the story! Oh, God damn it! My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. The author's reconnaissance had apparently already begun. The letter identified the Broaddus' Honda minivan, as well as the workers renovating the home. I see that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be, the person wrote. Tsk, 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 tsk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and chatted with their new neighbors, while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10 years old, ran around the backyard with several kids from the neighborhood. 
The letter writer seemed to have noticed. You have ah. children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted, the anonymous correspondent wrote, before asking if there were more on the way. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Oh! Better for me. <laughs> was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The envelope had no return address. Who am I? The person wrote. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. <laughs> eh. Followed by a signature typed in a cursive font. The Watcher. It was after 10 p.m. and Derek Broadus was alone. He raced around the house, turning off lights so no one could see inside, then called the Westfield Police Department. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, What the fuck <laughs> is this? Thanks! He asked, Thanks! <laughs> We're trying to figure it out! The, the fuck is this? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what he said. The fuck is this? Know what he said after that? What, what are you gonna, gonna do? do? <laughs> what are you gonna <laughs> He asked Derek... <laughs> He asked Derek if he had enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher tried to toss it. Through I hope no one ever asks me if I have enemies. I hope I never have to have that conversation <laughs> where someone's like, I have to ask you, do you have enemies? Ugh, no. Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home elsewhere in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple who had sold them 657 Boulevard, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why he or she had written. I asked the Woods to bring me, uh, 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 I see, I see, never mind, uh, he wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple who had sold them 657 Boulevard, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why he or she had written. I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. <laughs> Andrea Woods replied the next morning. A few days before moving out, the Woodses had also received a letter from the watcher. The note had been, quote-unquote, odd, she said. <laughs> and made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over time, but Andrea said she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 23 years uh. in the house and had thrown the letter away without much thought. That day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station, where Detective Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met, and all of whom were now suspects. Uh. <gasps> The Broadduses spent the coming weeks on high alert. Derek canceled a work trip, and whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into a corner of the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, he froze when the wife said, It'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. <laughs> the Broadduses... First of all, wait a second. First of all, <laughs> pause. Let's say she's not the watcher. Who the fuck yeah, says no. that? As, like, a no. normal person. Like, it makes me want yes. her to be the watcher because that's not nope. appropriate conversation nope. for new people. <laughs> oh, welcome to the neighborhood. It's nice to have some fresh meat. <laughs> right. That's literally from a Goosebumps book about vampires. <laughs> How to serve men. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the Broadus's general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. 
this time, the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Braddis. Had the watcher been close enough to hear one of the Braddis's contractors addressing them? The watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about their children. The letter identified the Broadus's three kids by birth order and nicknames, the ones Maria had been yelling. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me, it said. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular, whom the writer had seen using an easel inside the enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? (laughs) The, The letter continued. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down the <sighs> I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them <laughs> scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then... I can plan better. Fuck. At what point do you stop reading these goddamn letters? I mean, I'm pretty happy they're here for me. Yeah, yeah. But, like, as a person who lives there, like, at what point do you say, Uncle, sorry. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by oh, many times sorry. Six Woods <laughs> family, you got some splaining to do. <laughs> yes, they do. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now, you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Happy, have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. They were no longer sure when or if they would move in. Several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Where have you gone to? The watcher wrote. 657 Boulevard is missing you. Many Westfield residents compare their town to Mayberry, the idyllic setting for the Andy Griffith show, the kind of place where a new neighbor might greet you with a welcoming note. (laughs) Westfield is... 45 minutes from New York and a bit too slow for singles, meaning the town's 30,000 residents are largely well-to-do families. This year, Bloomberg ranked Westfield the 99th richest city in America, but only the 18th wealthiest in New Jersey. And in 2014, when the watcher struck the website Neighborhood Scout, named it the country's 30th safest town. (laughs) The most pressing local issues of late, according to residents, have been the temporary closure of Trader Joe's after a roof collapse and the rampant scourge of unconstitutional policing, by which they mean aggressive parking enforcement. Westfield is 86% white. Shocking. The Broadus' house was on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street with some of the more desirable homes in town, as the watcher had noted. The boulevard used to be the street to live on. You made it if you lived on the boulevard. Built in 1905, 657 Boulevard was perhaps the grandest home on the block, and when the Woodses put it on the market, they had received multiple offers above their asking price. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another homeowner to the block. The Broadduses hadn't told anyone about the Watcher, as the police had been instruct- had instructed them, and found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids, running guilelessly through a crowd that made up much of the suspect pool. We kept screaming at them to stay close, Maria said. People must have thought we were crazy. <laughs> at one point, 
Derek uh, was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. The family was a bit odd, Schmidt said, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway as kind of a Boo Radley character. Ah! <laughs> that is so fucking specific. I can't. Wow. <laughs> uh, Derek thought the case was solved. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 1960s when the watcher's father, the letters said, had begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for, quote-unquote, the better part of two decades. When the Broadduses told Lugo about the family, he said he already knew, and after a week after uh, and a week after the first letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford to police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broadduses say that Lugo told them that the narrative of what he said matched things mentioned in the letters. This isn't CSI Westfield, Lugo later told the Broadduses. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. <laughs> What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hey, there, we solved it. But. Yeah. Think you're so tough, hot shot? I love detective. (laughs) 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 But there wasn't much hard evidence. And after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadduses that short of an admission, there wasn't much the department could do. This is someone who's threatened my kids, and the police are saying probably nothing's going to happen, Derek said. Probably isn't good enough for me. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. This person attacked my family, and where I'm from, if you do that, you get your ass beat, Derek told me. Well, that's Jersey, Derek, and we're all from it. (laughs) (laughs) Very glad to meet a fellow local. (laughs) Where I'm from. I think I've been giving Derek the wrong voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. No, play with it. Play with it. Find the right one. That's good. No, no. I'm gonna get a little bit more. Uh, I'm good. I think I'm gonna get a little bit more like down the turnpike. Oh, right, with it. right, right. Yeah, yeah. Frustrated, the Broadduses began their own investigation. Derek became especially obsessed. He set up webcams in 657 Boulevard and spent nights crouched in the dark, watching to see if anyone was watching the house at a close range. Maria told I was crazy. That's it, that's it, that's it. At the coffee shop in Manhattan, where he covered a table with his documents relating to the case, including copies of the letters, which he and his wife had shared only with a few friends and family members. He showed me a map displaying where each of 657's neighbors had moved in, and the Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s, with overlays marking possible sightlines for the easel, and a, a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kids' names. Only a few homes fit both criteria. The Broadduses also turned to several experts. They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords, but didn't find anything noteworthy. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Can I reach out to her? Can I follow her Instagram, oh please? God, yes. Oh my God. They were on a <laughs> They were on a high school board of trustees together. <sighs> And they also hired Robert Lenahan, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. Lenahan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M slash M Braddis. The salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day, and the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary panache, which suggested a... Oh, yes? I like your weather voice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The... The letters had a certain literary panache, which suggested a voracious reader and a surprising lack of profanity given the level of anger, which Lenahan thought meant a less macho writer. Also very atypical of Jersey. Oh, funny. Astoundingly atypical. (laughs) 
Uh, maybe, he wondered, the Watcher had seen the Watcher starring Keanu Reeves as a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. Also, by the way, excellent movie, shockingly. Nice. <laughs> Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> Sneeze on the truth. I'm a multi-sneezer. <laughs> Hooray! Lenahan didn't think the Watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain erraticism. <laughs> the first letter was also dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was a Wednesday. There was also a quote-unquote seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. The Watcher was upset by new money moving into town. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? Yo, they ruin everything. Fucking <laughs> to be fair. ruin everything. Y'all, we are all the Watcher. Burn it all <laughs> down. Burn it all down. <laughs> 2020, big watcher energy, girl. Big watcher energy. <laughs> oh my god! What if we actually became like anti-gentrification vigilantes? <laughs> Which yes. Funny, that means that we would actually be caping, like we. Would... <laughs> <laughs> also, I will say. That's basically just more of what we already like to do. Be sure. over dramatic and and like and and peep in other people's shit. <laughs> <laughs> we would be very good at we this. We would be very good at this. How do we monetize it? <laughs> Always be making money. Capricorn, Capricorn, Capricorn. Go on. Yes. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard. Uh-huh, so this is... When I ran from... <laughs> this is like this is clearly uh, like a, a white boomer, right? This is a white male yeah. boomer. Yeah, 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 yes, absolutely. Big boomer energy. <laughs> big, big, insane boomer energy. God. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died, and now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Wow. Len. This guy needed a fucking hobby. He needed an outlet. Do you think that, like, if one person had just let him borrow their Netflix password, that this whole thing could have been avoided? <laughs> except, though, except, though, you know, this is already, this is, this is the kind of guy who's already, like, volunteering for like all like at the local <laughs> library for like the historical yes, research yes. shit. He's, He's already uh what's the word that starts with a C for people at museums? People He's a Oh uh 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 no um a, a docent. docent a docent. Oh he's a docent. I heard C and I was like, "What?" That no, that's what I said. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Uh cunt? Look at all those museum cunts. I don't know. God. I was like, I don't know another C word. <laughs> now I will never know another C word. That's the only one. <laughs> Hashtag museum cunts. Okay. <laughs> Lenahan recommended looking into former housekeepers or their descendants. Perhaps the watcher was jealous that the Broadduses had bought a home that the writer couldn't afford. But the focus remained on the Langfords. In cooperation with the Westfield PD, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response. Nothing happened. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but got nowhere. And his sister Abby accused the police of harassing their family. The Broadduses say that Lugo told them they wouldn't receive any more letters after he spoke to Michael. Then there was the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks. 
Bill Woodward, the Broaddus' house painter, had also noticed something strange. The couple behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Broaddus' property. One day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs, Woodward told me. He wasn't facing the house. He was facing the Broaddus's. (laughs) But... By the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital tail, no fingerprints, and no way to see someone at the scene of crime that could have hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern Jersey. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as the nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. In December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses they had run out of options. Derek showed the letters to his priest, who agreed to bless the house. The renovations to 657 Boulevard, including a new alarm system, were finished within a few months. But the idea of moving in filled the Broadduses with overwhelming anxiety. Could they let their kids play outside or have friends over? Would they get a new letter every week? Derek priced out trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans. All you gotta do is work out in the backyard every day. (laughs) That's amazing! That's amazing! (laughs) That's amazing, right? That's amazing. It makes me think of that, of that episode of Will and Grace where Jack is holding auditions and then Karen walks in and she goes, what's your audition for? And he goes, for fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can I just create, well, Craigslist, I don't know, with the FOSS assessment now they maybe will be like, this sounds like you're trying to sex traffic somebody. Yes. Can I just hire somebody to like work out in front of my window? <laughs> I mean, the answer to that is yes. The answer and is yes. We thought about it before. This is the gig economy. <laughs> Can you? Could you come? Hang on a second. Could you just like come crawl through my window from the inside, and I just want to watch you do pull-ups for my fire escape? Can yes. we do that? Is that good? I'm thinking twenty-five bucks. Sure. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> Barter. You like what you like. Barter. Oh, that's true. The renovations. Blah, blah, blah. Oops, 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 oops. Okay. Uh, but the Broadduses hadn't bought 657 to feel bunkered in a fortress. At the end of the day, it came down to what are you willing to risk, Maria told me. We weren't going to put our kids in harm's way. Derek had been responding to occasional alarms at the house, sometimes in the middle of the night, bringing a knife with him just in case. They were so joyous about their new home, and then within days they were petrified. Bill Woodward, the painter, said, I'm a stranger, and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms. It didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. So, you know. He's a fucking drama queen. He's such a dramatic bitch. Jesus. Calm your fucking kids, sir. Come on. The Broadduses. What on earth? The Broadduses had sold their old home, so they moved in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. I had to do things like shovel the driveway, Derek said. Just picture that little indignity. I'd go at five in the morning, come back, and do it again at my in-laws. Sounds like a what? real stand-up man. <laughs> what? You're fine. You're, You're fine. fine. This is this is not your biggest problem. It's not. Oh no! I spent one point three million dollars on a bad idea. <laughs> oh god! Burn it all down. They told only a handful of friends about the letters, which left others to ask why they weren't moving in legal issues they said and wonder if they were getting divorced they fought constantly and started taking meds to fall asleep i was a depressed wreck derek said maria decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that began with the question how are you caused her to burst into tears the therapist oh, oh yeah 
The therapist. Been there. For real. The therapist Living said there. that she was suffering post-traumatic tr- stress that wouldn't go away until they got rid of the house. Six months after the letters arrived, the Broadduses decided to sell 657 Boulevard. They initially listed it for more than they paid to reflect the renovations they'd done, but few worlds are more gossipy than suburban New Jersey real estate, and rumors had already begun to swirl about why the house sat empty. One broker emailed to say her client quote-unquote loved it, but that there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around, ranging from sexual predator to stalker, that they needed to know more. The Broadduses sent a partial disclosure, meaning mentioning the letters to interested buyers, and told Coldwell Banker, their, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids came in well below asking price, but the Broadduses weren't ready to take such a financial hit and only wanted to share the letters with likely buyers. No one got that far, even after they lowered their price. A Coldwell agent who hadn't read the letters told them in an email that they were being unnecessarily forthcoming. (laughs) Derek and Maria thought about what they would have done had the previous owners told them about their letter from the watcher. The Woodses, both retired scientists, told the Broadduses that they remembered the letter they received as more strange than threatening, thanking them for taking care of the house. They say they never had any issues. We certain they never felt watched, Andrea told them. They rarely even locked the doors. But the Broadduses felt the name alone was ominous to merit mentioning to a new family moving in. And on June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657 Boulevard, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed the letter, just as they had the fact the water sometimes got in the basement. The Broadduses say they hope to reach a quiet settlement. The kids still don't know about the watcher, and their lawyer assured them at at most, a small legal newswire might pick up the story. <laughs> okay. Okay. God, what a, that's fucking condescending. We do some creepy stories, Tamron Hall said on the Today Show a few weeks later. This might be top ten creepy. A local reporter had found the complaint, which included snippets of the Watcher's menacing threats, and after a belated attempt by the Broadduses to seal it, the story went viral. News trucks camped out at 657 Boulevard. One local reporter set up a lawn chair to conduct his own watch. The Broadduses got more than 300 media requests, but with advice from crisis management consultant referred by, uh, by one of Derek's colleagues, they decided to not speak publicly to spare their kids even more attention. They vacated Westfield and went on a, went to a friend's beach house. They didn't find much peace. Maria's grandfather had a heart attack, and the friend that they were staying with had a grand mal seizure. Oh. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain the real reason that they hadn't moved into their home. The kids had plenty of questions. Who's the watcher? Where does this person live? Why is this person so angry? To which Derek and Maria had a few had few answers. Can you imagine having that conversation with a five-year-old? Derek told me. (laughs) Well, uh, your town isn't as safe as you think it is, and there's a boogeyman obsessed with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, Derek knows what's up. Derek knows what the fuck is up. That's some Jersey realness. (laughs) From a safer distance, the Watcher was a real-life mystery to solve. A commenter on NJ.com suggested ground-penetrating radar to find whatever the Watcher claimed was in the walls. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Have you ever read the comments on NJ.com? Have you ever? Have you ever? Have you ever? I can't believe an article anywhere would quote the comment section of NJ.com. But please continue. Uh, a group of Reddit users obsessed over Google Maps. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now we're quoting... (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh, what? Where? Where is this from? The cut? What? What wait, is the cut? Yeah, yeah. This is this is the cut. The cut's what? from uh, New York Magazine. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Go Are on. You ready? Tell me more about what Reddit though. said so, about so this. So here's what Tell Reddit me. was freaking out about. Google Maps' street view showed a car parked in front of 657 that one user thought had quote unquote a man holding a camera in the driver's seat. Oh, the range of proposed suspects included a jilted jilted mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, guerrilla marketing for a horror movie, and quote-unquote mall goths having fun. (laughs) 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 That's me and you and us. Mall goths having fun. Can't stop. 
stop, won't stop. <laughs> oh Some my god. Just thought the Broadduses were wimps for not moving in. I would never let this sicko stop me from moving into a house. Never back down from a terrorist. Which what? irked the Broadduses. Yeah, not fuck you. This is read. terrifying. That, yeah, absolutely. Not, not an M have read the letters or had their children threatened by someone they didn't know, Derek said. To decide whether this person's only nuts enough to write these letters and not do something? What if something did happen? Left without a suspect, the Broadduses reopened their personal investigation. They were still coy about sharing too much with their neighbors, who remained in the pool of suspects, but spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. Wow. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from a Christmas card, but the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 67 said his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll, the security firm, and the Broadduses hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they found nothing. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and former and former member of the band Shanana. Fuck. Uh-huh. Yep, of course. Sure. That's yes. Big One hundo. <laughs> Oh, my heart. <laughs> he didn't find any noteworthy, noteworthy overlap when he scoured local online forums for similarities to the Watcher's writing, although he did think the author might watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> At one point, Derek persuaded a friend in tech. I just want a whole, can I, I just want a whole thing just about this guy and the things that he, <laughs> he was like, well, I feel like. He likes hot dogs, but he prefers sliders and sliders. <laughs> oh, my kingdom for some fucking sliders, dude. <laughs> uh. While the Broadduses continued to be consumed by stress and fear, for the rest of Westfield, the story became little more than a creepy urban legend, a house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. A woman who lives nearby told me that after the news broke, she and ten or so of her neighbors had gathered in the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letters? Eventually, she said, they came to a consensus. Maybe the Broadduses had sent the letters to themselves. <clears throat> the theory, so far as it went, was that the Broadduses had, had suffered buyer's remorse or realized that they couldn't afford the home and no. concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Come on. Or, I can't wait to hear what Derek says about this shit. Or Derek <laughs> was cooking up some kind of insurance fraud. Or they were angling for a movie deal. The Broadduses received several offers but turned them down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher despite a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses. Oh, shit! The Lifetime was uh, like, no, no, no! This property's too good! We're taking it down! You can see and D.S. all you want! We're telling the story! Don't! Oh, my God! Don't stop! Try to stop! Don't silence Lifetime! Don't, si uh, uh, never, don't silence never. television for women! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lifetime argued that the couple in its movie was biracial and the letters were signed to the Raven. <laughs> Feeling as if they were out of options, the Broaddus' real estate lawyer posed an idea. Sell the house to a developer who could tear it down and split the property into two sellable homes. Uh -huh. They thought they could get a million for the lot. Subdivisions like this had become common in Westfield, much to the chagrin of many locals. And 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Even so, dividing it would require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. Oh, fuck, you got to get the zoning stuff in there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> someone in the town <laughs> Someone in the town said that if it was gonna turn into two houses, it's gonna stick out like a dog's balls. <laughs> <sighs> Um, essentially, the board really didn't like it, and they unanimously rejected the proposal. And a judge denied the Broadduses' appeal. Oh! Not long after the planning board's decision, the Broadduses got some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to rent 657 Boulevard. The renter told the Star-Ledger he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter. Two weeks later, Derek went to three. <laughs> Derek went to six fifty-seven to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof. Oh shit! <laughs> 
Where's Derek when you need him? <laughs> the renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Rude. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. The letter read... Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. They had seen the media coverage. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. Derek's surreptitious investigatory efforts. I watched you as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And the attempt to tear down the house. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates, the letter read. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher! Oh my God. The renter was mentioned. This he was fucking, This fucking incel dipshit. <laughs> That's what this sounds uh, sounds like somebody who nobody will let them play D&D with them. (laughs) Uh, The renter was mentioned. He was spooked but agreed to stay if the Broadduses installed cameras around the house. And the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Wow. (sighs) That's turned into a listicle. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we were back at the beginning, said Maria. But it also meant fresh evidence to invigorate the investigation. Derek took the letter to police headquarters, where a detective looked at a neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in there. Derek drew one much closer. In my view, it's one of ten houses in the world, he said. In the world? In the world. Cool. Um, Law enforcement, uh, uh, there was still not enough for law enforcement to go on. Um, (laughs) Residents mentioned to me a teenager whose father had grown up around the corner and a man who sometimes walked around the neighborhood playing a flute. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a, Um, we have a, a fucking bagpiper here. We have some guy who just wanders the neighborhood playing the bagpipe. Everybody's got something. Can I have a flutist next time? I would like a, a, a flautist, jazz, a jazz flautist. A jazz flautist. You can hire Jethro Tull and those military dudes to just do push-ups for you. I'm starting to go funny. The Broadduses no longer live in ever-present fear that the Watcher might strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with the lingering effects from the letters. They have a new tenant at 657, but the rent doesn't cover the mortgage. Their kids are occasionally teased at school, and the conspiratorial rumors persist. They try to avoid the people who spoke out against their planning board application or accuse them of being con artists, but suburban life makes that impossible. I see these people on soccer fields, at train stations. My, t- my heart starts going like it did when I played hockey and was about to get in a fight, Derek said. <laughs> the Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had become obsessed with The Watcher and everything the letters had set in motion. It's like cancer, he told me. We think about it every day. Sitting at the Westfield train station, Sorry. Derek handed him... <laughs> Go on. Sitting no, at it's the... fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just Sitting like, at the who? Westfield... sitting at the westfield train station derek handed me his phone so i could read the fourth letter you are despised by the house it read and the watcher won the end the end jesus fucking christ fuck that guy fuck that guy fuck that guy fuck that guy Oh my god. Who the fuck? Who do you think you are, man? Oh my god. Just let people be. Why do you have such a hard on for this house? <laughs> I mean, 
Nah. I've seen hey, things where people you... like want to marry their cars and stuff, but not like a. Oh, come on. Hey, do you remember that crazy show Oddities? Yes. And it was about that cool place on the Lower East Side? Yeah. Remember that really weird guy who would come into the store and he sounded like oh, this? Oh, yeah, of course. Edgar. That's, yeah. I mean, I kind of hope it's Edgar. <laughs> Uh, yes. Edgar was a delight, though. I really enjoyed him. Um, Oddities wait. is a great show. I need to go back and look at that. Is that is it possible that that guy's on um, This American Life every so often? Oh yes, because Edgar. Yes, because Edgar is a is Edgar an Oliver. Edgar Oliver, and he always <laughs> talks like this. Oh my God! Yes, 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 yes. I love right? him. Oh, I love him. Oh, and I he's, have. He's great. Oh God! Yeah, I wish we had had him to to narrate that the letters. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes damn girl i those poor people i remember seeing all those, those blips but like i thought that they had sold it i thought for sure they had sold it um so to hear that they had just rented it and they were doing okay oh, until yeah. oh mm-hmm. just goes to show you it doesn't really matter what you do in life or how hard you work or how hard you try or who you're nice to or who you're not nice to or who you go to fucking spin class with someone could dick you out of millions of dollars like just that just like that oh you i just want right? to live someplace you just want to live oh. someplace well, I should mention that – so that was an article from 2018. There, in August, just this past August, the, they sold it. Oh, I was right. I was right. I was right. They sold it. You were right. Um, yes, they sold it in August at a huge loss. I'm sure. Um, oh, good patch. Oh, my God. The Westfield patch. God, it's going to be so fucking gossipy. <sighs> Um, Next door and patch is the best. Do you guys? I don't know if, if you guys are still listening, oh, but if you are still I listening, do not. Um, the patch, uh, patch, and next door are local, like hyper local zip code, or even yes. within a couple of blocks. Yes. Um, community message boards and it's stuff uh like karen on my favorite murder was she was like everybody was obsessed with this fucking raccoon that was out in the daytime the other day <laughs> yeah yes yes right 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 that's all yes. it is and that's my favorite neighbor uses next door and is like oh, it, some of it's great and some of it is oh not. if you want just like a summary there's a twitter feed that's just best of next door and that oh! is some quality shit that's oh, delightful yeah. oh yes 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 that's so good creating content for you so much uh, content. Oh, we, my God, content. <laughs> we love you guys. We do. And I love you. I love you. A bushel and a peck. A bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. <laughs> I don't think you should ever love one a heap, though. Like, a no. barrel, maybe. A heap a is a little bit. That's messy. How many barrels? Oh. How many speakeasies worth? How many speakeasies? How about uh, a, a dumpster swimming pool? That's how much I love you. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>